We're talking about rules of reaping. Everybody say that out loud with me. Rules of reaping. Go with me to our text again in Proverbs, the 10th chapter. And let's read this text again. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 5. It says, He that gathers in summer is a wise son. How many want to be a wise son or wise daughter, as the case might be? He that gathers in summer is a wise son. But he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. He that sleeps in harvest is a son that causes shame. How many understand that if you're asleep in the bed, you're not in the field? Right? How much reaping are you going to get done asleep in the bed? <laughs> None. You got to wake up. Everybody say wake up. You got to wake up and you got to get out of the bed. And you got to get in the field where the harvest is at. And you got to put forth the effort to reap and gather it up. Now, I don't know if you understand or not, but all the things we're teaching about reaping a material harvest or financial harvest is, would be true concerning any kind of harvest, including the harvest. So, I mean, we could go a whole other direction with this, you understand? The harvest. Because I didn't say rules of reaping a material harvest. We just said rules of reaping reaping any kind of harvest same thing would be true if you're talking about reaping a healing harvest any, any area you want to talk about the principles are the same he that sleeps in harvest is a son that causes shame as we said the living bible said a wise youth makes hay while the sun shines but what a shame to see a lad who sleeps away his hour of opportunity According to this, you need to be ready at your hour of opportunity. And you need to take advantage of that door or window and hour of opportunity. In Ecclesiastes 11, it says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. If you regard the wrong thing, he said, you won't reap. Another translation said, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Well, think about these things. According to these two verses, you will not reap if, number one, you don't put forth the effort. Now, did you understand where I got that? If you're sleeping in the bed, you're not putting forth the effort. You're not getting out there and getting in the field and getting it in. According to this verse, you won't reap unless you put forth the effort. And then secondly, you won't reap if you focus on the wrong things. According to this last verse in Ecclesiastes 11, if you regard the clouds, you won't reap. If you focus on the wrong thing and become preoccupied with the wrong thing, you won't reap. If you don't put forth the effort, if you're lazy, you won't reap. So, is it possible to sleep right through your harvest? Obviously it is. Is it possible to have a harvest and not reap it or maybe reap part of it but not reap all of it? It's possible in the natural. Certainly possible spiritually. And we begin asking the question, you know, why don't people reap a harvest? And we begin giving reasons why people do not reap a harvest. The first thing we said is uh, one reason why people don't reap a harvest is they didn't sow anything. And we said that the scripture doesn't, doesn't call it reaping and sowing. What does it call it? Sowing and reaping. And you've got to sow before you can reap. And we made the statement that tithing is not sowing. And if that, if that sounds strange to you, if you're not sure whether you believe that or not, don't, don't let that get away from you. You study it out. Because it's an important differentiation to make. Tithing is not sowing. Tithing is returning the first fruits to God. The tithe is holy to the Lord. It's His. And tithing is honoring God with the first fruits and returning the first fruits to Him. And the Bible even uses the phrase of tithing the tithe. 
If you want to study that out, I mean study the 26th chapter of Deuteronomy. And he tells you exactly how to tithe the tithe. Uh, you know, your, your heart's involved. Your words are involved. Remembering where God has brought you from. Uh, you know, re- the Bible talks about rejoicing and being glad, uh, you know, in what you're doing. And then also calling on the Lord to behold you now that you've honored him with your first fruits and bless you. And bless the work of your hands. And so he said, tithing is not sowing. And so if you haven't sown in an area, then you're certainly not going to reap in that area. And we went on to say, you know, that uh, God will even give you seed to help you get started. If you don't have a thing. You can ask him and say, well, Lord, you know, you know where I'm at. I don't have anything. Lord, give me seed to sow to get started. He'll do that for you. Even if, you've, even if you should have seed, if you've messed yourself up and made bad decisions, still he'll have mercy on you. And he'll give you seed. But you need to have the discernment to know when your seed comes that you need to honor him with the first fruits of it. And then don't eat all your seed. <laughs> Sow at least some of that seed. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because if you eat all your seed, well, you're right back where you started. And when you come to the Lord for the twelfth time and say, give me some seed, he's going to want to talk to you about that. <laughs> well, I gave you some seed, and I gave you some seed, and you keep eating your seed. That's good. The less you have, the more you're tempted to eat all your seed. It's just true. And I've been there, we've been there, we know how it is. But oh, it's a big mistake to eat all your seed. Another way of saying that is to spend all your money on yourself. Have you, have you realized that you can't spend money twice? How many have discovered that? You can't spend the same money twice. The money that you spend on yourself, you cannot give to God. The money you give to God, you cannot spend on yourself. So you have to make a decision. Am I going to give it or am I going to spend it on me? And uh, you're, you're wise if you put God first. Now, uh, we said you've got to sow in every area that you want to reap in. If you need clothes, if you want a harvest of clothes, well, what should you sow? Clothes. clothes. Even if you don't have any clothes, well, you can take some money and get some clothes. Right? Or give some people some money for clothes. But you're still sowing clothes. Do you understand? If you want jewelry, well, sow jewelry. If you want to pay off some things, well, what should you do? Sow some debt payment. Help somebody, you know, make some payments on their car. Help them make some payments on their house. Help them with their utility bills. You understand? How many would like to reap a harvest of cars? (laughs) Cars. uh, Plural. Well, then what do you have to sow? You have to sow a car. Right? There's a lot of people, they want to reap like this, but they... Their faith has never gotten up to the level where they can sow like this. And you need to sow in every area that you want to reap. That includes things that are not material. If you want friends, you need to sow friendship. If you want people to be faithful to you, you need to sow faithfulness. If you want people to help you, you need to sow help. Right? And I'm telling you, oh, it's, you know... Everything in the kingdom of God operates by the principles of sowing and reaping. Everything. I know at the Hagen ministry, uh, I worked for the Hagen ministry full time for, I guess, almost three years just on a volunteer basis. We're talking 40-hour weeks and uh, it's occupying all my time and effort, but I'm not getting paid for it. At least not from them. The Lord's taking care of me. But I sowed that. And uh, what I'm, reason I said that is since that time, it's been a number of years since, since the period I'm talking about, but we have never lacked for help. We have more help than I can use. We are not using a tenth of the people that have come to us and said, we, we want to help you, Brother Keith. We don't want payment, we just want to help. We're not using a tenth of the people that have come to us. Well, see, we sold help. And we got plenty of help. Do you understand? Several years ago, the Lord dealt with me. We've had our own ministry since 89. Though we haven't, you know, really put it first. We always put the Hagen ministry first. But the last couple of years, the Lord dealt with us to begin developing our ministry more. 
And uh, uh, the Lord dealt with me, you're going to need partners for your ministry to do the, the projects and things that I tell you to do. And, of course, we found out that that was certainly true. <laughs> I know the Lord never tells you to do stuff that you can figure out how to afford it. I mean, he always tells you things, and you think, well, where's that going to come from, you know? And he just says, trust me. But uh, we knew, the Lord dealt with me, you're going to need partners. So what, what's the first thing you do? Make a, make a big appeal and say, hey, I need partners. No, that's not the first thing you do. If you want partners, what, what should you do? So partnership. And so we became strong partners with people. And every year we've added people, added people to the list. And we're partners with them. And then, that, then we feel like we have a, a basis to stand on to claim a harvest of partners. Do you see what I'm talking about? I think some ministers haven't seen this yet. I think ministers that, you know, they want you to give, but they're not too big on giving. They want partners, but they're, they're not a good partner. We'll see that ministers are not exempted from these principles. Everybody should give. Everybody, every church, every minister, every ministry, everybody should sow in every area that they want to reap. And so we said, have you sown in that area? Now, second reason why we say people uh, have not reaped a harvest is they got tired of waiting on the harvest. And they did not realize what Galatians teaches about due season. That you will reap in due season if you faint not. So they fainted, they got tired, then they decided, well, it's not, it's not happening, it's not working. So they gave up on it, and so they didn't reap the harvest. A third reason, which is connected with this, is... Uh, People forget that they sowed. Well, if you, if you planted something in a field and you totally forgot that you planted it out there, are you going to be going back looking for a harvest? Well, no, you forgot that you did it. And one reason that is is because people don't think right about sowing. They look at sowing as losing something. When they put an offering in the plate or when they give somebody something, they watch it all the way down the road. And even though they might not do it inside, this is how they feel. <laughs> Bye. It's gone. And they, in their mind, they just mark it up as a loss. And therefore, they're not expecting a harvest. No, you've got to realize these things are investments. I said investments. I guarantee you, if you go invest in a company or in some stock, you're not going to just forget about that. That's right. Especially if it's any substantial amount of money to it. And if they don't send you a return on your investment, especially as the time goes on, you're going to check on that. You hear they made record profits last year. But you had not got a check. You just going to forget about that? But see, people, don't, they don't look at spiritual things that way. But don't forget what you sow. Keep it in mind. Remember. And then fourthly, we said people do not reap a harvest because many don't think that they've got anything to do with the harvest coming in. They think it just automatically comes in. And we talked about how that in Mark 4, 29, you don't have to turn there, but in Mark 4, he said when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Who puts in the sickle? See, who planted the seed? The man did. Well, who caused the seed to grow? God did through the ground. The Bible said the earth brings forth of itself. So you don't have to make it grow, but you do have to get it in the ground. Yeah, but when it produces the harvest, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, who's responsible to get the harvest in? God. God's not going to plant it for you. He's not going to harvest it for you. He's not going to harvest it for you. I said, he's not going to harvest it for you. Many have never seen that. They've never gotten a hold of that. They think, well, I sowed, that's it. But that's not it. It's not it in the natural, nor is that it spiritually speaking. In Proverbs 6, are you still in Proverbs? Back up to the 6th chapter. Here's a good word along this line. Proverbs 6, 6. We've already got through reading in chapter 10. He, he said that... Uh, you know, the son that sleeps through the harvest, he, he's a son that causes shame. Well, he's being lazy. 
And in Proverbs 6, 6, he has some more advice for the lazy. He says, go to the ant, thou sluggard. <laughs> Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and, what? Gathereth her food in the harvest. Does the food jump inside the ant den? No, the ant has to leave the ant den, go find it, lay hold of it, carry it back to the ant den or mound. Right? Well, he says, uh, lazy people, look at the ant. The ant goes out and gets it. The ant gathers her food in the harvest. So we realize that the, there are exhortations in the scriptures to us taking the responsibility for harvesting the crop, reaping the harvest. Now I want to go on talking about some other things that are, you know, connected with this, of course. But we answered some questions as to why people don't reap a harvest. They don't reap any harvest at all. But here's another area. There are a number of people that are reaping harvests. But their harvests are small. Much smaller than what they should be. And here are some reasons why many reap only a small harvest. They could be reaping a large harvest. But they're only reaping a small harvest. Number one, number one reason why people reap only a small harvest. Can you get anybody guess what the number one reason is? <laughs> they sowed sparingly. They only sowed a little bit. And so they're only going to reap from the small amount that they sowed. This principle helped my wife and I immeasurably some years ago when we got a hold of this. And our faith in sowing and reaping increased. If you really believe in sowing and reaping, you will get busy trying to think, where can I get something to sow? You'll liquidate assets. You'll sell things. You'll cut back to get something to sow because you know that's the key to the big harvest tomorrow. And the bigger harvest you got coming in, well, that's the better off you're going to be and the more you're going to have to give. Right? Yes, it's more up to us than it is the Lord. The Lord doesn't dictate to us how much to sow of what we have. We make that decision. And in making that decision, we determine the size of our harvests. Many, they've heard that, they've read that, but some way or another just didn't register on them. They think, well, the harvest, the harvest I'm coming, that's coming in, well... You know, God has just ordained me to have this size harvest. No, you determined the size of that harvest back some time ago when you determined how much you were going to sow. How many remember Luke 6.38? Three people. Are y'all thinking or what? Luke 6.38. Give. It'll be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaking together. Running over. Shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it'll be measured to you again. Right. Same measure. Right. Same measure. Yes. Yes. Same measure you meet or give, that's the way it's going to come back to you. Mm. Little measure, little harvest. Big measure, big harvest. Gigantic measure, gigantic harvest. Yeah. And Second Corinthians 9, you know, you've heard it. Most of you have heard it uh, so many times you couldn't count them. What? If you sow bountifully, generously, you'll reap generously and bountifully. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. Well, we know that's true in the natural. If you go out here and sow a half acre, how much are you going to reap off of? Fifty acres? No. Well, yeah, but if I make confessions. <laughs> no, if you sow a half acre, what are you going, how much are you going to reap off of? Half acre and a half acre is it. And when it comes harvest time and you see how much that half acre produced and you say, man, I wish I'd have planted 25 acres of this. Well, that's all fine and good, but it's too late for that. You should have did. You should have thought about that back when you were sowing. 
But you can set yourself up good for next year. Right? By saving all the seeds you can out of this crop. And instead of just automatically bumping up your standard of living with the harvest, focus as much of that seed back into the ground as you can. And then next year you're going to have a big harvest. And you keep doing that for a few years. Before long you're going to have so much coming in, you couldn't possibly eat it. But those first years, they're the things that, that either, you know, make your time of prosperity delayed or speed it up, depending on how disciplined you are. If you can keep from eating all you see it or not. Right? If you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. Uh, a number of years ago, I threw a, a good friend of mine who uh, used to be a Quaker. I was introduced to a, a book, and this book's not even in print, so uh, he had had it for decades. And uh, he told me about a, a, a guy he knew who was a Quaker named Perry Hayden, who did an experiment with tithing. And I've got the figures out of the book here right in front of me, and I'll just read them to you. This was in 1940. Perry Hayden of Tecumseh, Michigan. He heard a message on tithing. And he heard the, the preacher say that, you know, from the, the passage in John, that if a, a kernel of wheat or, or seed fall into the ground, and if it, abide, if it doesn't die, it abides alone. But if it falls in the ground and dies, it brings forth much fruit. And the question, he said, the Lord asked him a question, how much fruit? How much? And he had something come up in his heart that he wanted to do. And he made a commitment before the Lord that he was going to take one cubic inch of wheat, one cubic inch, 360 kernels. That's not much. One cubic inch of wheat. And he was going to sow it. And he made a commitment to the Lord that everything that came in off of that cubic inch, he was going to tithe. He's going to give the first 10 plus percent of it to God. And, in fact, he, he decided he was going to give 15%. That was what he's going to call his tithe. But he was rounded off on the fat side. And, uh, but he was going to sow the remaining 90% back into the ground. And he was going to do that for six years. The first year it took four by eight feet of ground to plant his cubic inch. He had a 50-fold harvest. Now that first harvest, they, I mean, they scraped the ground to get every kernel of wheat. Because their harvest was so small. And I mean, if they, if one, when they were uh, cleaning it up, if one fell off the table, they got it. Every kernel. You see, when people don't have much, a lot of times they make the mistake of thinking, well, this dollar's not going to make that much difference. This five is not going to, I don't have much anyway. And they don't realize your seed's precious. This is all you got. And if you're wise, what will you do? You'll sow as much of it as you can back into the ground. They tithed off of it and sowed the remaining 90 or whatever it was percent. It was somewhere around there. I forget exactly what he was doing with that 10 or 15, but it was, it was right around 90, I guess. And it took him 24 feet by 60 feet to plant it. Well, the next year, it took him three quarters of an acre to sow it. They're tithing and sowing 90% back in. The fourth year, it took 14 acres to sow the seed. The fifth year, it took 230 acres. <laughs> This is from one cubic inch of wheat. He's tithing, you know, and then the rest of it, he's pouring back into the ground. The sixth year, they sowed 5,000 bushel on 2,666 acres. <laughs> if they had done another couple of years, there wouldn't have been enough land in the States <laughs> to do it. 360 kernels had become, in six years, had become 55 billion. What if those were dollars? What if you started out with 360 dollars? 
and in six years have 55 billion. Now people think, well, Brother Keith, now that's just not really. Listen, this happened in the natural. What does God use to teach us about sowing and reaping with money? Natural sowing and reaping. And these are not hundredfold returns. I think his best one was like a fiftyfold. Now compared to the other farmers that were farming in that same area, if, if, now they didn't of course, but if they hadn't given, if they hadn't taken anything and given it to the Lord and sowed everything 100% back into the ground, at the yields they were getting, they would have only made $21,000 over the six years. But with him, not sowing 100%, but sowing just 90%, God prospered his yields above the average farmer so that compared to 21000 that they would have made, he made 288000 I think he proved his point. If you'll tithe, God will bless the remaining 90% above the neighbor's 100% that's not tithing. Well, as I read this book, of course, I, you know, I waded through a lot of things to give you this summary material here. But it just impacted me so strongly that if you really believe in sowing and reaping, you'll be pouring as much of your harvest back into the ground as you can. So that your harvest are getting bigger, bigger, bigger. And it won't be long until you have more than you could possibly eat. And yet you've got so much to give. But the big temptation is, is when you have a harvest come in, the big temptation is to spend it on me. Bump my standard of living up right now. And without realizing it, people delay their prosperity. If I had known these things and practiced these things ten years ago... I would be so much further down the road financially than I am now. I know that. I know we would be. But you, you're so tempted to eat so much of your seed. But no need looking back. We can stir ourselves up now. Right? But this won't happen by accident. What we do every year is, is before the first of the year comes especially, I, I get to praying about it and seeking the Lord about what increases we need to make in our sowing. We don't just wait till we get to church and, and you know, try to decide in two seconds what we're going to do in the offering. No, this is important to us. We budget other things around this. You understand? And, and have a vision to increase your sowing, increase your sowing. Why do people have small harvests? They don't sow much. If you sowed more, you'd have a much bigger harvest. Right? Here's the second reason why people don't have big harvests. Why they just have a real small harvest is because they did not sow into very good ground. Now we know that's true in the natural, don't we? You can sow into ground and, and even though you got good seed and, and good conditions, if the ground's not very good, you're not going to have a very good harvest. If you put that same seed in real good ground, you'd have a much bigger harvest because the ground is going to produce of itself. All ground is not good ground. Some ground is average ground. Some ground is poor ground. Some ground is tremendous ground. Are you going to get different returns according to the type of ground that you sow into? Well, somebody might say, well, how do I determine, you know, what's good ground? Well, you know, there's a number of things. First of all, you know, Jesus said you'll, you'll know people by their fruit. Right? I mean, in the natural, you can look at a field and you can see what it's been producing. Right? And you can say, hey, that's good ground. Look, look what it's been producing. That'd be a good ground to sow in. But secondly, the Holy Ghost is not going to lead you to sow into bad ground. He's not going to lead you to waste your seed. Do you understand? It is possible physically to waste seed. You can take good seed that you paid good money for and you can put it into a bad uh, plot of ground and waste that seed. Because the ground's not strong enough and good enough to nourish it and bring forth a harvest. It's possible to waste seed sowing money or things into people or works. 
That's why you need to be led about where you, you know, who you sow into. Now, of course, we, we tithe our, off of our personal income in our local church. And like we said, tithing is not sowing. But in addition to tithing, we sow into ministries. We give some, to, we give some things to the poor, like some, you know, uh, inner city works and that are helping people that's been drunks and drug addicts and what have you, help get them off the street and get them straightened up. We sow into traveling ministries and just a number of things. And always open to just do, even if you're not, you're doing something maybe regularly, monthly for somebody or made a yearly commitment to them or whatever. But then also a lot of one-time things. You want to stay real open. You know. I keep my ears open anytime I hear somebody needs something. I just, I just try to keep my ears open for that. And a lot of times the Lord will prompt you, you do it for him. And so you sow. And it's, it's fun. I said it's fun. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. More blessed to give than it is to receive. I told the, uh, I told the lady that's been helping us in our office the other day, I said, uh, I said you might want to believe for a new computer. She said, why? I said, I gave this one away. <laughs> it's fun. Man, it's fun. This one we're working on. Yeah, that one. It's gone. It's gone. I mean, I've come in home before without my jacket, without my tie, without my shoes. They don't need to ask what happened. They know what happened. My family has finally learned, don't give Keith something and tell him, now son, don't give this away. They've learned, just don't even bother to say that. Because if it's mine, it may be gone before the week's out. But now listen, listen. I'm not talking about throwing seed away. I'm not talking about just doing things off the top of your head. And I'm talking about being led. And when God leads you to do something, then you, you just know by the right of the fact he's leading you to do it that there must be good ground. But then also you look at the fruit. And uh, you know when it comes to ministries, just because the Lord has led us to support a ministry, we, we don't necessarily say, well, this is a lifetime commitment. Uh, especially if the Lord didn't say that, you see. Uh, people change sometimes. Sometimes a work might be doing real good and, and you know, really having some good fruit but then people get off and you know they're not really doing well you shouldn't keep pumping money into something that's not really doing a good job you can waste your seed and I've seen people sometimes they were pumping money into something they found out that the people were crooked and cheating and lying and what have you and well they got so mad at the people well hey that's your fault because you're not praying and staying on top of it if you'd have stayed on top of it the Lord would let you know quit sowing into that so it's really, if you waste money sowing it into a, bad, a work that's not doing a good thing, then it's your fault. Because we all have the Holy Ghost. Amen. And He wouldn't lead us to waste our seed and throw our money away. And so, uh, sow into good ground. And the good ground is going to be the ground God leads you to. And, and, and look at the fruit of it. And, and don't just, you know, once you've done something, just keep doing it always for, for uh, without checking in your heart and keeping up with things. Uh, I mean, it's, it's good sometimes to just go look at a work that you've been supporting for a while and, and talk to the people there and just see what's going on. See, if you, see, see what you got in your heart about it. There's been ministries before that the Lord dealt with me to support, and I, I just go down there and look at it, walk through it, and, and see what's going on. And, and a lot of times, you know, if it was right, of course, then I had a witness, yeah, yeah, this is good. So we start supporting them. But I don't want to waste my seed. Seed's precious. Money, money's, you know, if you just got millions to throw away, well, you're different from me. We don't want to throw it away. Now, another reason, and we've already said this, but I, I want you to hear this from another angle. Let me review. We said people don't have a good harvest because they don't sow into good ground. Of course, you remember the parable of the, the sower. Jesus talked about wayside ground. And he talked about uh, stony ground, thorny ground, good ground. Well, those, other, those first three, wayside and uh, stony and thorny, they didn't produce a crop. Even the, uh, the stony and thorny, where it did begin to spring up, it never came to fruition. They never had a harvest. 
It was only the good ground that was sowed into that produced a harvest. That meant the seed that was sown into the wayside, the stony and thorny ground, was wasted. Might as well have thrown it in the trash can because it produced no harvest. We certainly don't want that. So sow it into good ground and be led. Thirdly, we, we know this from the natural, that there are times when people don't reap a, a big harvest because they don't have enough rain and they don't have enough sunshine. I mean, if you have a drought and you have no rain or if you don't have enough sunshine, well, then your crop's not going to do good. But now this is not something that we control. In the natural, we know that you can't turn the rain off and on. I mean, God provides the sunshine and he provides the rain. But the key here to having your, uh, your seed that you've sown blessed is comes back to the first thing we mentioned is tithing. If you are a tither, see, that's the commitment that God has made to you, that he's going to open the windows of heaven. Remember that? Now, see, really, people have fabricated a lot of things out of that. But if you go back to Deuteronomy 28, you'll see that he tells them and tells us that if we would keep his commandments and obey him, that he will open to us his good treasure, the heavens, and give us rain. And rain on our crops. And see if the crops flourish. Then you got also pastures for the flocks and the herds. And if you've got plenty of food and plenty of water, then your cows and sheep's going to do good. You've got to have the water. You've got to have the sunshine. Everything's dependent on God opening the heavens and pouring on the rain. You understand rain's a type of spiritual blessing too. And I don't care how hard you work. If God doesn't bless you and rain on your project, it's not going to flourish. Well, what's the key to getting the rain on your crop and plenty of sunshine? Tithing. Putting God first. We said tithing is not sowing now. But if you're a tither, the Lord has already said that he's going to open the windows of heaven and he's going to pour out the blessing. And what else did he say? He said he's going to rebuke the devourer. Well, see, that's another thing that causes a scant crop. Bow weevils. <laughs> Bugs. Insects. Man, that's a major thing. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. He's a, he is a dairyman and a farmer. And he's telling me about a guy that he hired. And this guy makes big bucks working about three, four months out of the year. He's an entomologist. And he goes to these big fields and he finds out what kind of bugs they got. And all he does is tell them what kind of bugs they got and how, approximately how many there are and what they should spray for it. And he's out of there with a big check in his hand. I saw a few light bulbs right there thinking, entomology, entomology. Come on, go back to school, yes. Three or four months out of the year, and that's it. Big money. And these farmers do it. They shell out big bucks for the research and for the spraying and all of these things. Why? Because if you don't control the, this, this bug population, they will totally devour your, your crop. And all the money you've put into seed and fertilizer and labor, it just wasted. I don't care what kind of beautiful crop you get up there standing, those bugs eat it up. It's gone. Yeah, but if you're a tither, are you getting this now? If you're a tither, there's a couple of things the Lord said he's going to do. He's going to open the windows of heaven and he's going to rain on what you're sowing. Amen. The sun's going to shine on your crops. And the rain's going to fall on your crops. And when the bugs come to eat it, he's going to rebuke them. Get back, bugs. You can't eat that crop. Why? Because we're tithers. We put God first. Do you understand? And so if you are a tither, then you got this part covered. As far as being concerned about having a small crop due to lack of rain, lack of sunshine... Are the bugs eating it? And of course, I'm talking figuratively here. Now, here's number four, and I really want to expound on this one a bit. Many do not reap a big harvest because they do not discern 
their harvest. They do not discern their harvest, or even if they do discern part of their harvest, they don't discern all of it. Everybody say, discern the harvest. You might not have even known that you needed to discern the harvest, but you do. Discerning the harvest. You remember what Jesus told his disciples over in John, the fourth chapter? You don't have to turn there. Most of you probably could quote it. But John 4.35, Jesus said to them, he said, don't say that there are still four months and then the harvest comes. He said, don't say that. He said, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now, he's talking about the, the harvest and the harvest of souls and people. But he was correcting their thinking because they're not discerning the timing of the harvest. In their mind, the harvest is a ways off. They're not discerning it. And he said, no, 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 you're off on that. He said, the harvest is ready right now. It's ready right now. You're saying it's going to be four months before it's ready. And he's telling them, no, no, it's ready now. Well, would that make a difference with you? Naturally speaking. <laughs> would it? If, you're, if your crop is ready to be got in right now, and you think it's going to be four more months, so you don't even go out to the field. <laughs> there are several elements that you need to discern about the harvest. You need to discern where the harvest is. There's some elements we'll talk about that eventually. And there's some things you can discern about when the harvest is. That's what we just got through talking about here. And here's a big one. You need to discern how much of the harvest there is. How much of the harvest. That's the thing the Lord spoke to me a few months back on. He spoke to me about how much of the harvest, discerning how much of the harvest there is. I hadn't been doing that. He opened my eyes and showed me some things that I want to share with you. First of all, we see this when the harvest is going to be. He told them, you're saying it's later, but it's right now. How can you discern when the harvest is? We've already said, if you plant something, you're not going to reap it tomorrow. And the Bible uses the phrase due season. So you know there's going to be some time involved, you know, between planting it and reaping it. But when it's a spiritual harvest and you, you've given money or you've given things, you've sown whatever, and you don't know which channels God's going to use to bring it back, and you don't know the exact timing, how could you possibly know when? Well, you can. You can tell by the witness of the Spirit when you're getting close to your harvest. If you'll think about this, a lot of you have had some experience along this line. If you'll learn to pay attention to the, to the inside of you. I know this past November and December, it, it didn't happen just one time. It happened two or three times. I was, I'd be in Ramah teaching my classes, and I'd be walking back from a class through the hall. I remember the exact place in the building where I came around the corner, and the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice. I didn't have a feeling. I didn't have a vision. I just knew in my heart the harvest is close on some things that we had sown. Sometime back, harvest is real close. I got excited about it in my spirit. I told Phyllis, we're, the, we're, the harvest is close on some things. And I just knew in my heart. Somebody said, well, how did you know? Well, just by the spirit of knowing. The Bible says you have an unction. Remember that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have an unction of the Holy One. And the scripture says, and I know. You, you have an unction of the Holy One and you know all things. You, you might not be able to explain how you know, but you just know. And one of the key indicators of this kind of thing is joy. You get an excitement. You get a, there's a joy in you, and your head, you know, your heart's full of joy about it, and you're bubbly about some, something, and your head says, what, what, what? And, because uh, <laughs> your head goes, what, what are we excited about? And you don't, you don't even know exactly. But you just know, hey, harvest time. 
It's harvest time. There's a sowing time. And there's a waiting time. And there's a harvest time. And the key to all three is faith. But faith is revealed in joy. It really is. When it comes to giving all aspects of it, faith is revealed in joy. Uh, how many understand that w without faith it's impossible to please God? Right. And so you couldn't please God in your giving unless you gave in faith. But when talking about sowing and sowing bountifully, uh, the text doesn't mention the word faith specifically. It just says God doesn't want you to give grudgingly or out of necessity, but He loves what? Sure. Well, see, He just got through saying, I love you to give in faith. That's what he just got through saying. That's right. We know faith pleases him. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be revealed in joy. When you really believe that you're not throwing this away, you're not just yes. losing, you're investing this, and a harvest is coming, you will give in joy. Yes. You won't follow it with your eyes all the way down the row and think, oh man, I could have used that. No. Amen. You're investing. Yes. And so you're expecting and that gives you joy. Yes. Joy. Well, if you're in faith about it, then while it's developing, you wait in joy. And then when the harvest comes, you reap in joy. You sow in joy. You wait in joy. You reap in joy. Timing is very important. It really is. Uh... Jesus said this, you know, concerning his own life and ministry. He said, uh, again and again when things would happen, he'd say, my hour's not yet come. Do you remember that? Yes. People try to stone him. Things would try, they'd try to take him and arrest him. They couldn't do it. Right. And he'd just say, my hour's not yet come. Yeah. But then at the end of the book, John I'm talking about particularly, then he said, the hour's come. Well, he knew when the hour was. That's right. Yeah. How can I know when, when the hour is? Well, if you, if you don't know that it is, it's not. <laughs> That's right. Because when it is, you have that knowing that it's now. Now's the time. Now's the time. And if we would live our lives that way in every area, including financial and material decisions, we wouldn't miss it. We would hit it again and again and again. I don't know at the times that, you know, I wanted something. But I could just tell it's not now. Yeah. And your flesh don't want to hear those words. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you sow, you sow your seed for it. But then, you know, you can tell, well, I, I, I want to reap now. But it's not now. But then if, you know, if you'll spend a little time with the Lord and just, just keep, a, you know, keep a, a decent prayer life of some type. Fellowshipping with the Lord occasionally at least. Then you will have a sensitivity about these things. And as you get closer and closer to your harvest, you begin to get excited. You begin to think, all right, okay. We have sown. Amen. And we have waited. And I can smell a harvest. Smell that? Yeah, I can hear it. Spiritually speaking, we're sensing the harvest. And so it is possible to discern the time of the harvest. Well, I think, you, you know, you could tell this, that spiritually speaking, we're living in the time of the harvest. More so than ever. Spiritual harvest of souls. It's time. Yes, it is. It's time. And so we, we want to, I mean, that's more important than any other kind of harvest we talk about. But the principles apply in every area. In order to reach the harvest of souls, we need a harvest of money. People don't like to talk about that, but you do. If you're going to hold meetings, it takes money. If you're going to build churches, it takes money. Right? If you're going to go on TV, radio, print books, if you're going to have crusades, it takes money, 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 money. So, I mean, it's not like they're not connected. We need to reap some good harvests of money so we can get the harvest of people too. It all goes together. Y'all could have said amen a little stronger on that. I, you really could. See, some people, it bugs them if you, if you say anything about money in connection with winning people. 
But it's just a fact. Do you understand that? How many understand that it took money to get this building right here? It took money to keep these lights on. We could not be having this meeting here tonight. It took money for us to fly over on this jet. It takes money for us to have a room. It takes money for us to eat while we're here. Right? Money, 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 money. And so we need to be reaping big harvests of money. So we can go out and have the best places in town. We can open the doors and everybody can come. Amen. And God deals with us. Well, I want you to fly over to the side of the world and reap some of the souls over there. Fine, we got the money. Let's go. We're healthy. We got money. We're blessed. Let's go do the work of God. You got to have some equipment. You got to have some supplies. So it's not like these things are not connected. Discerning when the harvest is, you can sense in your heart. Well, now, another thing, like we said, joy is going to be an indicator of this. Let me, let me give these scriptures before I go on. These are some things that I noticed in the scripture. Isaiah 9, 3. Don't turn there, but just jot it down. Isaiah 9, 3. He said, Israel will be great and be filled with joy like that of the reapers when the harvest time has come. But when the harvest time comes, the, the reapers are full of joy. I said the reapers are full of joy. We give in joy. We wait in joy. And we reap in joy. Everybody say joy, joy, joy. <laughs> Even when you had a struggle sowing, you still reap in joy. Remember the, remember the scripture in the Psalms? He that goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed. What's going to happen with him later? Hmm? He's going to come rejoicing. Bringing his sheaves with him. Even if sometimes it's, it's tight. Boy, you've got to reach down. And, and you've got to get that seed. Still, it's going to be wonderful and glorious. When the harvest is there. Because it's going to be joy in the morning. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.